Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Dub Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Collaborative Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Coming off a tough, tough 103-100 loss to the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round of the playing tournament. Good news, though, they still do have another shot to get in. They're taking on the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday. It's win or go home at this point. Lose, their season's done. If they win, they'll take on the Utah Jazz in the opening round of the NBA playoffs. Joining me to break it all down, friend of the show, Dave Pash from ESPN. Dave, how you doing, my man? Good, Jazz. Good talking to you again, bud. All right, first things first. What did you think of that game yesterday? Because I was watching it. The Warriors are up 13 at halftime. And going into it, I, this was my thinking, was number one, they, Steph Curry has to go off. Okay, they, they checked that box. Number two, Andrew Wiggins had to be very good. He was. And the third thing I was looking at, the key to a win, was you can't shoot yourself in the foot. And that's what they did. They committed 15 turnovers in the second half, allowed the Lakers to get back into it. They were, you know, parade at the free throw line. But when you were watching that, what was going through your mind at halftime? Did you think the Lakers were going to be able to get back into it? Or were you like, damn, the Warriors got this one? No, I, I thought the Lakers would make a run. Then when the Warriors started to build a, a big lead again in the second half, I, I thought, well, maybe not. <laughs> and then uh, to your point, the Warriors started to make some mistakes. And, the, and, and you know, Caruso, I, I can't imagine the Lakers winning that game without Alex Caruso. He was brilliant on both ends of the floor. Anthony Davis was not good in the first half, got pushed around, second half much better. And then obviously when you have LeBron James, you have the equalizer. I mean, the great equalizer is, uh, you know, once-in-a-lifetime player making a once-in-a-lifetime shot, which he did. Uh, and, I, you know, that the Warriors, to me, Draymond Green, while I – you voted him first team all defense. I think he deserves some consideration for defensive player of the year. You, you can't have no field goals in a game like that. You, you needed some offense. Andrew Wiggins is at his best when he's in number three, and he was really good last night, but you needed somebody else. I mean, this is a team that without Steph doesn't win a lot of games, and they're, they're still playing undermanned. They didn't, I, I don't feel like they have the same roster that the Lakers do, not close. So the fact that they had a chance to win that game says a lot about Steph and about the Warriors and about how well they defend, how well coached they are. That's why they could still win this thing. They could still beat Memphis and get into the playoffs. But I think if you're a Warrior fan, that's one of those you walk away like, man, that's, that's one we let slip away. And you're right about Draymond because they're the the Warriors are 14 and three this year when he scores in double figures. Obviously, it didn't happen very often, but they're 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 much better when he's attacking. And I know they they try to change things up, especially off the pick and roll, where uh, instead of going a big like a Draymond or Kevon Looney coming up and setting the screen on whoever was guarding Steph, whether it was Schroeder or Alex Caruso, they were trying to do some, you know, guard to guard or, or, or Wiggins was doing it. And that was kind of giving them some options in terms of the dive or, you know what I mean? Like playing off the screen the right way. They weren't able to do that. But when you're looking at, when you're looking at what Draymond brings, and this is my thing, I thought he was all world defensive yesterday. I mean, he made some plays where showing and recovering and still being able to steal the ball. That's impressive. And he, he did that, you know, yesterday, like you said, giving AD fits on the block the whole time. 
What, what can you look for him when, when you're watching them play? What are you looking for him to be able to do to be more of an offensive threat? I know he's not, he's not a great three-point shooter. That, that part of his game has kind of just you know, gone down over the last four or five years. But it, just in terms of attacking, what are you looking more for him from being able to do to at least get on the score sheet properly? Yeah, I, I think being more assertive offensively. I think at times, you know, to only have five shots, uh, just uh, I know he didn't have a great year scoring, and I know that's not his role. His role is to defend. He's a great distributor. He's incredibly smart, excellent rebounder. Um, I, I just feel like he's got to be a little bit more aggressive looking to score because you're, you're going to need to get something from him, I think, to beat Memphis. Memphis is a tough team. I mean, this is a game where, you know, Draymond is going up against a, a group where very tough, very physical, and I just feel like he's got to be more assertive offensively. I have a hard time seeing them win this game if he's not more assertive offensively. If he goes 0 for 5 again, they're probably not going to win because this is a this is a team as, as physical as the Lakers are. Memphis is right there. I mean, they got some tough dudes, and I think the Warriors are good enough defensively where they can they can hang in the game. But at some point. Someone other than Steph, and maybe it's Wiggins again, who's had a really good year. But I just feel like, to me, Draymond's such a big key. Pool, some of the role players, you know, you need somebody to get a 15-point game. Steph's going to get his 30. Uh, hopefully, Wiggins will get his 15 to 20. I think you need somebody else to get 15. Now, is that Draymond? Is that Mulder or Pool getting hot? Um, and just feel like you can't, even though Memphis is not a juggernaut offensively, they're good enough. And you're going to need a third guy to win this game. Dave, going back to the end of that game against the Lakers on, on Wednesday night, it was interesting. I mean, again, I understand the narrative and I understand that you have to do this, right? They had to try and get the ball in Steph's hands with, you know, 2.1, 2.3 seconds left, whatever was on the clock uh, going into that, that final possession. Obviously, AD, I mean, the, the Lakers were probably in the, in the huddle, like, whatever you do, don't switch off and just everybody stay on Steph. They could have ran a high school sack and just put all five Lakers on, on Steph and been happy that, hey, you know what? Let somebody else take the shot. Again, I'm not going to fault Steve Kerr for this, and I don't think uh, you would have seen that with a guy like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, but they all did. They've all made passes in their, in their time that set up another guy for a winning shot. Not to say that the Warriors had the time to do that, but I felt like from a, from a tactical standpoint, do you think Steve Kerr could have maybe done something different on that final possession just to get somebody else a clean look? Because the Warriors, the Warriors like, like nobody else, everybody knew where the ball was going to go. And Anthony Davis like didn't switch off. KCP was right there too when that pass was getting inbounded. So with that, do you think maybe a not, I, again, it wouldn't have, who knows how yeah. it would have turned out, but do you think they could have maybe done something different there to get a Mulder, get Andrew Wiggins a much more open look than, than Steph would have had, even if he caught the ball? I don't know. I, I think I'd rather take my chances with Steph, but he's unbelievable at creating. I mean, what we're, what we're seeing right now is unprecedented uh, since I've been covering the NBA for 15 years. A guy that scores the way he does can shoot off the dribble the way he does his drives, his mid range game. So I think I'm good with the ball in Steph's hands, even if he's got two guys on him, uh, you know, for, for the most part, you know, the majority of the time he's going to, he's going to be able to create and, if he sees the rim, and even sometimes if he doesn't see the rim, it's it's got a chance. I, I, I like I like my chances with Steph having the ball in his hands in crunch time. Where do you put him in terms of all time? And in, 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 you know how long you've been covering the league now, and just been a, a sports fan. 
uh, throughout your life. Where do you put him in terms of scores in the, in the on the all-time list? You have uh, Michael Jordan, I'm assuming, would be number one. Wilt Chamberlain, if we want to go that far back. I mean, I don't think either of us were around really to be able to watch yeah, him right. play. <laughs> but uh, when you're looking at the scoring of it, where would you put Steph in terms of the all-time greats? Right. I think you got to take centers out of it, especially some of the old school centers, right? So if you take centers out of it, you look at, you know, guards and forwards. I mean, he's got to be top three, right? I mean, I just, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, Michael Jordan clearly is, is number one. I mean, is Steph a better offensive player than LeBron? Probably. I mean, now LeBron as a passer is better than Steph. Steph's a really good passer, but LeBron, but in terms of a score, I mean, what Steph's doing again is just, it's remarkable. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. So uh, he, he's, he's in the conversation for greatest all time. I mean, he is. It just, uh, I, and I think people, we, we talk about his range and how he's changed the game where a 35 footer is no longer a bad shot. That's, you know, coach Wright always would tell us, Hey, only shoot shots you're going to shoot in practice. Well, for Steph, that's, that's when he steps on the floor. So a 40 footer isn't a bad shot for Steph if he's got a little airspace, but just watching him last night, again, his ability to create, get into the lane, his drives, his, the English that he uses, how much stronger people don't realize how strong he is. I mean, he's worked on his body, um, you know, to overcome some of the injuries he had early in his career to, to work on his strength. I, I just think he's, the, he's among the best of the best when it comes to just pure scores. Going back to that Memphis game now, they played last Sunday. That was a huge, you know, huge game. The winner got the seven seed, had the, or pardon me, the eight seed, had the right to play the Lakers on, on Wednesday night. The Warriors were up 14, 15 points going into the fourth quarter. Memphis made a furious comeback and got back into that game. I thought it was a wrap at that point, but again, this is 90s NBA or like 15 points. That's like a 30 point uh, deficit now that, you know, compared to what it was back then. But, you know, the, like you said, like Dylan Brooks fouling out, that had, that had a huge impact on that game. But when you look at, at, at what the Warriors need to do. Are you worried at all about an emotional letdown? Because you're coming off this game where you did everything you could to stay with the defending champions and the Lakers at, at full health are the best team in the NBA still to me. But if, if you're looking at that now, you're going to play two days later. It's not like they're traveling across the country. They're just, you know, going up north to Northern California. Are you worried at all about the Warriors being a little bit flat to come out in this game? I don't think so, because you, you still can reach your goal. I mean, the goal for this team is to get into the playoffs. And if you if you win a series, you win a series. But you're still right there. You know, that that's the beauty of the play-in tournament is you get two cracks at it. And, you know, maybe the Warriors, you know, who knows? You know, maybe deep down they'd rather play. I think, that, you know, they probably would rather play Phoenix. But you, you don't know uh, when you look at matchups. Uh, I, I, I think they're home. You've got Steph Curry. I think you're going to get more offensively from Draymond Green. Uh, the thing, if, I, if I'm a Warrior fan, that concerns me is the toughness of Memphis and the physicality of Memphis. But uh, I think offensively, the Warriors are a better team. So I'm not worried about the emotional side of it. you got so many, you know, your leaders are, are the guys that have played in the biggest game. So if you're a young player, uh, I'm looking to Steph. I'm looking to Draymond Green for leadership. I think what we've seen from Wiggins this year, it, it's been maybe his best year. And you know, this is a guy that's pretty reliable. He plays every game. So I, I just, and he's pretty even keel, you know, Draymond's the emotional one, obviously, but no, I think, I think they'll be ready to go. I, I think they'll win the game. You think so? 
Yeah. That's gonna I be do. music. That's gonna be music to Warriors fans' ears, but they better not come out flat now, Dave. Otherwise, they're gonna be like, what are we talking? What were we talking about the whole time? But uh I know. Looking at the rest of the NBA playoffs, we have a bunch of intriguing matchups. You'll be calling game one between the Mavs and, and the Clippers. When you're looking at the Western Conference, like, you know, we've talked a little bit now about Utah, Phoenix, like you've mentioned some of these teams. When you're looking at the West and given where the Lakers are at right now, again, they look really rusty throughout the, the first half yesterday, relied on their defense to get back into it. And obviously their big guys, LeBron, AD, made huge plays when they needed to. When you're looking at the Western Conference, which team do you think comes out and which team do you think comes, comes out of the East this season? Well, looking at the West, uh, I think you have to say Utah is the favorite just because they were the best team during the year. I, I don't think it's a given that the Lakers beat the Suns. Uh, the, the the big unknown is just we haven't seen Devin Booker play in the playoffs. Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, assuming he's healthy. But I feel like this is a chance for the world to really see how good Devin Booker is. And I think he's he's going to take advantage of it. I think his his toughness is the thing that really stood out to me this year. He's always been a great scorer, but there, there was an edge about him this year. It just seemed like, and maybe that's because he's playing with Chris Paul. Uh, I, I don't think it's a given that the Lakers win that series. I think the Suns have a chance to make that a long series. The Clippers, look, I, last year was disappointing, but man, they it was a record-setting year in terms of three-point shooting. I mean, look how many guys can, can stroke it on that team. So, you know, a team that shoots the three that well, it's hard to beat. Now, Utah makes the most threes, and they, they do have guys that can shoot it, but the Clippers have six or seven guys that can. The addition of Rondo, to me, is, is really big. The Mavs, it just feels like, I mean, think about it. It's been, a, it's been 10 years since they won a series. The last time was when they won the title. You know, can Doncic win a series by himself? I mean, Porzingis has to be great, right, for, for them. So, you know, I think still, to me, it's probably the Clippers or the Lakers that, that come out of the West. Uh, but I could see Utah. I could see Phoenix, um, you know, I think Portland, Denver, I think if Jamal Murray's healthy, you know, maybe Denver can uh, Portland. I think it's asking a lot for those guys uh, for, for Dame and CJ to carry them for three series to, to somehow get out of the West in the East. I think you got three teams, Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. Uh, but I just think those three guys for Brooklyn, I mean, James Harden, if he's healthy, uh, I just, I, I just don't see that team losing. They just got, they have too many weapons and they barely played together and they still have the second best record in the East and the fourth best record in the NBA. So uh, that's the team to beat. I look at just the roster and say, okay, if this team's healthy and that team's healthy to me, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's the one that I'm concerned about the most if I'm the rest of the rest of the NBA. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think if you look at the, the Nets, uh, you know, defensively, they had some issues, but it's like you're going to have to score 125 points to beat them, you know, clearly, because they're, they're just that good. And like you mentioned, Kevin Durant, to me, uh, top 10, top 15 player of all time, just un unguardable, right? There's nothing you can do against him. You mentioned Harden now. He's another dude up there, too. So I, I think Brooklyn comes out of the East because I think in the NBA, it always comes down to that talent always wins. Right. You know, and like uh, if you have two of the five best players in the series, likely are two of the uh, five best players in the NBA on your team, you're likely going to be very difficult to beat. So I, I'm with you on that. I think Brooklyn in the East, but I'll go with the Lakers coming out of the West. I just think that the, if they get it together defensively and the size they had, because at points yesterday, it looked like they were a college team playing against a high school squad, just in terms of their size, like the, the Lakers were so much bigger. So that, but I'm with you though. The Western conference is going to be interesting. Uh, we'll wrap up on this. You're, you're doing this, you know, you're, you're calling the games for ESPN. When you look back at, at your career, uh, whether it be an NCAA game, NBA game, what's your most memorable game that you've ever called and, and the favorite moment you've had as a broadcaster in your career? 
Boy, it's, you know, basketball, man, there's been so many games, football, man, off the top of my head. I mean, look, doing the, doing the, the games for the Arizona Cardinals for the last 20 years, you know, doing the Super Bowl, uh, the year they lost to the Steelers. I mean, I think that's the first one that comes to mind. Plus you're doing it, you know, for a team as opposed to nationally. So you're, you know, I was invested, am invested still. And, you know, the heartbreak of that game, thinking this team that, won nine games during the regular season, had never been this far, had never been to a conference championship since the merger, has a chance with Kurt Warner, you know, rising from the dead, metaphorically speaking, uh, to lead a franchise to within two minutes of winning the Super Bowl, only to have it ripped away. Uh, San Antonio Holmes getting, I don't even know if Jazz, you're old enough to even remember this. It was, it was about 13 years ago. But oh, uh, I remember, I remember. Okay. I was actually cheering for the Cardinals. I'm a 49ers fan, but I was cheering for the Cardinals because for some reason uh, the Steelers are amongst my most hated NFL teams. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was that. So yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of them. There've been a lot of fun in, you know, in terms of NBA games, there was a four overtime playoff game between Denver and Portland a couple of years ago that I did that was a blast. You know, doing some of Kobe's games, doing games where, you know, LeBron passed Jordan, passed Will Chamberlain on the all-time scoring list. That was fun to be a part of, you know, some of the the games watching Steph and, and the Warriors during their championship run. There's a lot of them. Um, but I think that one, you know, just when you do a game of that magnitude and you're invested the way you are, you know, it'd be for Mike Breen, like if the Knicks made the NBA finals, you know, it's, it's great enough for Mike that, you know, he's got the longest tenure as the voice of the NBA finals, but imagine calling the NBA finals and having it be your team, the Knicks. So uh, that, that's probably what I would say. All right. Well, Dave, you know what? I know you're a busy man. Thanks for taking the time out to do this. We love having you on the show and uh, good luck with the playoffs. And, and we're looking forward to hearing you and watching you on the, on the broadcast coming up on Saturday. Like, like I mentioned, you'll be doing uh, Mavs and, and Clippers starting off. So thanks again for doing this. All right, Jazz, anytime. All right. That's ESPN's Dave Pass. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube page at Golden State of Mind, uh, at Golden State of Mind on YouTube, part of me. And you can also catch our audio portion of this on iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. You get your fix. Google Podcast, Stitcher, we're all over it. And we'll have you covered on goldenstateofmind.com. Big one coming up for the dubs. They're taking on the Grizzlies. Season's on the line. Don't miss it. We'll have you, me and Brady, we'll have the recap coming up for you as well on Friday.